Welcome to Language During Mealtime. Certified speech-language pathologist and children's book author Becca Eisenberg brings you creative professionals from the language learning and children's education field. With these ideas, parents can help their children with special needs improve language and reading abilities. Hi, my name is Becca Eisenberg. Welcome to my podcast, Language During Mealtime, episode number 23. Today, I'll be interviewing Tali Kellerstein. Tali is a speech-language pathologist and owner of the Speak Boutique. Tali is passionate about treating children struggling with speech sound disorders. She started her career at the Speech and Stuttering Institute in Toronto, and for the last four years has worked full-time in her private practice, the Speak Boutique. Tali shared tips She shares tips and ideas for speech therapy on her Speak Boutique YouTube channel and is currently working on a speech sounds-based children's book set to be released in 2020. So how Tali and I met was that Tali had started this great group on Facebook, um, a private group called SLP by Day, Author by Night, and then asked me to help admin the group with her. And so Tali and I have a lot in common. And... um, I love her YouTube channel and I really wanted to be able to share it with, you know, anyone who's listening today because I know parents out there really want to, a lot of times I get a lot of questions on how to work on speech sounds and um, specific, you know, language disorders that a child may have. And so Tali is just really excellent. And it's also just, she's so accessible because, you know, she has a YouTube channel and also she also runs another group. Uh, for Toronto SLPs, and she'll talk a little bit about that today. And I also want to mention her website because just so that you could check it out, it's www.thespeakboutique.com. So thank you so much for being here, Tali. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So I, I the first thing I wanted to ask you is about starting a YouTube channel and how you got it started and, you know, what, you know, like just the idea of doing, let's say, video over audio. Um, So maybe you could just talk about that a little bit. So I've been thinking about doing a YouTube channel for a while. I just feel like video is such a powerful uh, medium to get across uh, messages and to demonstrate ideas and products and uh, things like that. Um, And, you know, I'd kind of been percolating the idea and then kind of kept getting um, derailed or, or not, wasn't quite ready to start, wasn't quite ready to start. And, um, and then one day just said, I'm going to do it. And I have my very first video up, uh, up on the channel. And, um, and from there, I have a friend who I'm very, very lucky is a video editor, and she uh, offered to step in and, and help me with them. And you will see a big difference between my very first video and the remaining ones because uh, her magic is, is on them. Her name's Yael Elfenbaum, and she is a great website, Yael fan. And so she's helped me with, uh, with the editing a lot. And I've um, since then been, been generating the content for it. Uh, the YouTube channel is, um, it just was a way for me to express to a wider audience, what area I work in and, and some tips and ideas that I've come up in that, uh, in it, that area. I, I'm really uh, very much focused on speech sound disorders in my practice. Um, and I really like doing literacy, literacy based, uh, therapy. So all, all of my, or story based therapy, all of my, um, sessions are based on a children's storybook. So once I started writing my own children's storybook, I really wanted to, or my own children's picture book, I really wanted to, 
merge these things and um, have sort of a, a platform to uh, express all these ideas that had been percolating for, for a while. Um, and it, it got started that way. So that's, I mean, that's just fantastic. I mean, that's the other thing that Tally and I have a lot in common. So, so Tally is also prom certified. So I also want to mention that because she's one of, I guess, out of 10 people prom certified in Canada, right? I'm not in sure Canada. the numbers now. I know on my website at the time I had written that there were fewer than 10 in Canada, but I, I'm not sure the numbers now. Um, still, I mean, it's, you know, it's not, I think that common to find someone prompt certified. So for any parents out there listening, um, prompt is an excellent strategy for, you know, for many, many different types of uh, speech disorders. Um, but I just, you know, I wanted to mention that. And also Tally and I just have so much in common about storybooks and that's how we met because we both love children's literature. Yeah. And that's the great thing is that you could just interpret it in so many different ways. I mean, I guess for me, I'm doing more of the language. And I think Tally does the language and the speech. So um, it's just, and I can't wait for your book to come out. So Thank um, you. And the one thing I wanted to know is how you get your ideas for each episode. And maybe you could just talk a little bit about how you organize the episodes. Sure. Like if you work on like specific targets during each episode or you're working on a specific book so I it originally wasn't so organized I just I had some ideas that I thought okay once I get these videos out then I'm going to have nothing else to talk about that was sort of my feeling like it was like really hard to come up with ideas and hard to come up with script and once we started shooting um, I'm finding that I have way more ideas than I have time so sort of once you start a video um, you, I'm sure, you know, it's, it's sort of like a lot of social media type of um, products where you put something out and then a conversation starts to generate. And then once that conversation generates, then you get a spark for another idea and that sparks another idea. And so I feel like now I could stop doing what I'm doing for a year and make a year's worth of videos easily. I just need the time. Um, the channel itself is organized into four categories. Um, also, it wasn't really uh, something I had pre-thought. It was once I started doing them, I realized, oh, okay, these are these are sort of the things that it looks like I'm liking to talk about. Um, so the four categories are the one is therapy 101. So it's just the foundational ideas behind um, therapy in general, behind the way that, that I run my therapy. Uh, and I kind of think of that, um, that uh, area that that's a, that it's on a specific playlist. So I think of the therapy 101 playlist as uh, probably the one that's the most beneficial for parents, but also for uh, clinicians because it's it's answers to a lot of common questions from parents. And uh, I didn't have those answers worded that way when I had first started practicing. I've been practicing for about 14 years now. And so um, some, of, some of the wording has, uh, has evolved over time to make it as clear as possible. Um, so that's sort of the, the basis of therapy. The next playlist are specific tip, tips for specific sounds. So, I mean, speech pathologists will know that when we've, we are first assessing a child, we're, we're picking which is the most relevant sound. So it's, um, and we're looking at how a child makes that sound that's going to inform us to how we, um, to how we uh, respond to, to that sound. Um, so that's my little disclaimer for parents. Just <laughs> but the, the tips are, are there just to give kind of broad ideas of how, what are the salient features of uh, most of the common um, phonemes in English? 
and some of the tricks and tips that have come up along the way. Um, they're not uh, they're not prompt beca- prompts because the the prompt tactile cues um, you'd have to go through the you know the training process to get to get those specific ones. But they're broader um, they're broader information to help. Um, understand how specific sounds are made and then uh, some ways that have been helpful for me to elicit those sounds. Uh, the third um, the third playlist is my favorite one. It was really uh, probably the impetus for starting the channel. This was therapy ideas. And it's, um, like many speech pathologists, I have shelves and shelves of books and toys and games. And I love how all of us can look at the same product and pull out completely different targets from it, depending on what our clientele is uh, for the most part. So I will look at a certain game and really think S and F and R, and then somebody else who works more in language might thinking, oh, I could do this for prepositions or pronouns or some concepts. I, I just love how for one you know little toy can, can, um, can generate so many ideas and be so rich uh, and in very in different ways. Um, and then the final, uh, the final stream of the the final playlist is the author spotlight, and um, that's uh, that's um, a reflection of you know my passion for for children's uh, storybooks, and they're an integral part of my therapy. Every single one, almost every single one of my therapy sessions is built around um, is built around. Uh, children's storybook and um, so I wanted to highlight some of those authors who have been particularly um, who have been particularly um, useful in my in my therapy that's great and also just watching your videos as well I just also feel that they're also useful useful for graduate clinicians out there because I feel like a lot of times students they wonder how do I run a therapy session or Mm -hmm. you know what kind of idea um, how, you know, how do I get an idea on running that session? Or I have this goal and how could I, you know, incorporate, let's say this book into it. Um, so I also think it's really helpful for graduate students as well. I mean, I also just so. seeing the yeah. video. Yeah, I definitely think so. Cause I mean, I work with a lot of students and I think that's one of the big thing, big things. They always think they have to go out and kind of purchase all this stuff, but sometimes mm-hmm. the best materials are actually just right in front of you. Yes. Stuff that's yeah. not actually, I mean, and therapy materials, of course, are extremely useful. Um, but also just, I find just using children's books in general, you know, there's just so much that we could get out of each each book. And so that's one that we definitely share in common. So that kind of brings me into, uh, into my next question about your children's book. So that's, and that's where we started this group. And we have this, this group of not just SLPs. I mean, we have you know, I think all authors, but we, I guess it's more, I guess it is more speech pathologists that are in the group. Um, but it's great because I found like, we found, you know, we've all connected and we have like this common passion for being speech language pathologists and also being children's book authors and helping each other out. And I always feel like they just go hands in hand because, you know, that's what we're working on is language. And so what are books? Books are language. I mean, that's really what it is. And so, you know, I feel like I know Tally, you know, I mean, we've (laughs) actually never met and, you know, but we're, you know, we've, we've talked, we've emailed, we've messaged a lot. Um, And it's great because so if you are a speech pathologist listening and you have an interest in publishing your own children's book, Feel free to you know join our private group um, and get some great ideas from 
Um, and we have a lot of people in the group. How many people do we have about now? Because it's growing. Well, that's so a good fast. question. I'm not sure. I can uh, I can look it up as we go. Um, that's a great question. I think we're we're definitely over a hundred. <laughs> Yeah, which is great because I feel like we're all, and we're also all connecting in in all different ways about, you know, kind of just geographically. Um, we're 228 members and wow. we only started uh, in the spring of this year. So it's, um, I think that's pretty good growth in a short time. It's great. Yeah, exactly. So, so maybe just talk a little bit about your children's book. Sure. Um, so this is something I've been thinking about for a long time. I Before I was a speech pathologist, I did my master's in English. Uh, and I had kind of imagined I was going to go down the PhD route. And then I, I um, made a left turn and went to speech instead. And I've always had a passion for, uh, for books, particularly uh, children's books. And um, the I realized like, as I'm working that I have a very uh, specific, uh, there's very specific kinds of books that I'm picking for the targets that I'm working on. They're uh, certainly influenced by my time at the Speech and Stuttering Institute, which is a Toronto-based center that uh, specializes in uh, treating children with motor speech disorders. Um, And we had always there used a story-based approach to therapy. And as I did, you know, as I was working there and then uh, continued with those skills uh, in my own practice, um, I realized there were really specific kinds of books that were drawing me that were useful for for targeting sounds early in the game and then targeting those sounds as they went, um, as uh, the children uh, progressed. And so what I had wanted to do was get a book that, uh, create a book that could help speech pathologists target sounds both in those very initial stages where we want very repetitive, um, very repetitive uh, text. Um, the reason for the repetition is that when a child knows what to predict, you're taking away a lot of the variables that make the task harder. Um, and so predictability is one of those things that make that make um, a speech task easier. And so the, the stories that I have, uh, it's a collection of poems and each poem targets a specific uh, a specific phoneme, a specific sound. Um, but within those, the illustrator has drawn um, a collection of five pictures that the children can sequence as a story. So even though the poems are very short, they're each about 16 uh, words, <laughs> um, the, they, t- they tell a story. And so the repetitive nature of, this, of the poem is useful for kids who are starting to learn the sound. And then the story element of it is for the children who are uh, better versed in the the target sound and can now start to expand by um, telling, you know, narrating in a very densely alliterative context. So all of those images. So for example, um, if I had my first story is a story about a hippo who goes to a hotel. Um, And so within that story, he goes hiking, he gets hungry, he goes on a hammock. There's tons of H words embedded. Um, So you you can't really uh, retell the story without tripping over the sound you need to say. And that's what I uh, had, had wanted to create. Uh, the book itself will uh, address 21, it addresses 21 sounds. And then I'm including, um, I'm including a, a poster uh, with McLeod's re- recent research about um, the development of speech sounds. So the, the norms chart that had just uh, come out and, ma- and made a big splash in our field. Um, and as well as some 
pointers on how different sounds are made, like what are the movements um, that kids would use or people would use to make uh, different sounds in English. At the back of the book, there'll be tips for uh, teachers and speech pathologists as well for how to use the text. That's great. I mean, I think that chart is so key too, because so many people ask me, even though I don't really work on that in my, you know, with the clients that I work with, but I think that's like just probably one of the most common questions that parents have. When should they, when should a child be developing these sounds? Um, And I think, so one of the things that I want to ask you next, that kind of leads me into my next question is, you know, if a parent is concerned about this, this comes up a lot, I think, just sort of just informally, if once I tell somebody I'm a speech pathologist, they ask me this, oh, my, you know, my child is not saying a specific sound correctly, or they don't qualify for speech, but they can't say this specific sound. So, you know, what kind of tips do you have for parents that, you know, maybe want to work on specific sounds at home, or if they um, maybe need to refer to it on like maybe a private speech pathologist. I mean, what, what kind of suggestions do you give to parents who have so that? I mean, I think the, the comment with the, the norms chart, we, we do, we use those, those norms a lot as a guideline, but I, I, you know, want to emphasize that they're, they're just a guideline and the way children develop sounds is not a uh, fully linear, right? My daughter had L as one of her first sounds, but if you look at the chart, L is way later. And, uh, we, the, the, the sounds don't exactly, um, build in such a straight linear fashion like uh, like a, a speech chart might suggest mm-hmm. and so uh, we you know as speech pathologists we know that we're looking at um, down through through mul- multiple facets we're looking at stimulability we're looking at age we're looking at cognition level we're looking at a lot of a lot of things but from a parent's perspective um, you know it just gets diluted into what age for this milestone which, which is how we look at so many other of our kids milestones um, so my, my, the first suggestion would be if you, if you are concerned to, to go to a speech pathologist, because a speech pathologist is looking through a much wider lens to see what might be, um, influencing, uh, any errors and whether or not they are errors, uh, whether it's developmentally appropriate. Once you sort of know that, um, then the other major tips would be to first model without necessarily expecting a response or we kind of always want to jump into to saying, um, you know, this is how you do it, or, you know, why can't you? And you, I, I would sort of start with just making sure that we're emphasizing those sounds and making the, the with specific sounds salient. I think it's also for once parents do that, they'll start to get an idea of how frequent the sound is. And, um, and I think also takes a, pre- a lot of pressure off if there's multiple sounds going on. If you focus on one, then, uh, then that's kind of, T- relieves everybody of the pressure um, in you know any given <laughs> in in the child situation, um, and then broader broader tips would be of um, reading. <laughs> it shouldn't come as a surprise, I <laughs> think, based on our conversation that yeah. uh, you can get so much out of children's picture books when you're starting to work on a sound. You um, you want something that's very repetitive. So, for example, when I'm I'm working with a child who is struggling with a K sound. So let's say I've already taught the K sound, but we need the repetition. I love to use a book like Goodnight Gorilla where there's there's no words, and but every page he's looking for a key. And so you get the repetition of just the word key over and over and over. So when we're looking at early s- storybooks um, for speech sounds particularly, we're almost looking for the ones with very little plot where the same thing happens over and over and over so that we can repeat a specific word. Um, 
the other piece I wanted to say for parents is uh, uh, the, the, you know, the, the English major in me um, <laughs> would, uh, would be flabbergasted by this, but the speech pathologist in me says, ignore the words. You really want to tell the story and what the story is, is often more important than necessarily the very specific words written on the page. And so you, we're using the, we're using books as speech pathologists, we're often using them as a springboard for generating conversation. Um, and I would encourage parents to, to look at books that way too. So when you're, you know, if you want to read the, the story, read the story and then kind of say, oh, and what, what do you think will happen next? Or why do you think that's in the picture? Or why does the animal look like that? If the child is not ready to answer those questions, provide the answers and also provide space for them to jump in with their, their own ideas. Yeah, no, I think that's great suggestions. And then just kind of going back to, um, I think when a parent, I mean, I don't know, what would you say about a parent with a child with any sort of phonological disorder or articulation disorder, meaning that it's hard for them to pronounce specific sounds. I say for young children, also not really emphasizing it so much or kind of drilling it too much at home, just because then kids start to feel self-conscious about it. And that could actually make that could actually make the problem, I think, even worse. Yeah. Um, so I just think one of those things, I mean, maybe some strategies that if I ever heard, say, a sound, I might say, oh, does it sound like this or does it sound like that? And just kind of not put so much pressure on it. Yeah, we really want to focus on what the child is saying and not how they're saying it um, for, for by and large, right? Because we don't want communication to be we want communication to be a successful um, experience for them. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, this has been great. And I, um, and I also encourage parents to go on to Tali's YouTube channel on Speak Boutique because I know that you're going to have a ton of ideas from there just by watching her her videos. And I also think that kind of using that as when you are saying the word springboard, which I think is actually just so perfect um, for saying, okay, well, Tali used this with this book, but hey, I have this book. Let me try it with this way. And I think exactly. that's the great thing about children's books is that there's just so many different ways that we can interpret it. And I think just, you know, being on my website and reviewing books and being in love with books and having mm -hmm. a million books at home, there's just so many different ways that we can interpret the information. Um, because there are times even with my books where you know, somebody's commented, oh, I looked at it like this, or I looked at it like that. And I never really thought about it. Or even sometimes kids would even notice something about the book that I never even thought about before that I never mm -hmm. even thought that a child would, would notice about a book. And just also the one thing too, is that, you know, for parents, just because you did an activity once doesn't mean you can't do it again. Okay. Yeah. Kids love repetition. And, um, for us, it may be boring to, let's say, read the same book over and over and over again. Um, but for children, the repetition is so key. So yeah. if they love a book and they love an activity, just do it, just keep doing it over. You're not saying over and over again to the point where they're bored of it, but like, you know, but do it, I would say do it a bunch of times. And then a lot of times you'll be able to incorporate other target, maybe target sounds or, um, something else that you're working on with the specific book, like, like sequencing with the story or even like print referencing or we're pointing at a word and we're showing them what the word is. Um, 
I had another uh, suggestion for um, that I'd meant to mention, and it, it slipped my mind. But uh, another suggestion for children who are highly unintelligible. Do we still have a minute? Oh yeah, we have plenty of time. Okay, so the other thing I recommend is it's David Sindri. Um, it was a is a fantastic uh, creator of materials, and one of the things he created was this thing called the Experience Book, and for children who are very unintelligible. Um, I find this a great tool. So all you need to do for an experience book is basically have a blank uh, notebook. I use um, printing paper that we punch holes in and put it in a folder. The idea is that whenever you take a child somewhere for an experience, it can be, for example, that you go to McDonald's or uh, you went to an indoor playground. You take an object from that experience and tape it into the book or the child can draw a picture, but it's, it's easier to just, you know, you went to McDonald's, you take the straw and you, you stick it onto the book. Then the parent writes down what happened that day. That way the child has a journal that they can share with people and then establish a, a context, like familiar context right away. The listener will already be able to read, I went to McDonald's and, you know, had a milkshake. And so when the child is explaining this in a very unintelligible way, it um, lets the listener right away know and join into the conversation. So you don't kind of, uh, you know, always have these conversations of, what did you say? Can you say it again? I didn't quite get you. Um, they can fill in the blanks. And I just uh, find that that's um, so, something that parents can do, be, be, you know, before starting speech therapy and in general, having a, a little journal for, for young kids, uh, I think is a, um, a great activity. I love that. I, I'm going to use that because, you know, I work with um, children and adults who use augmentative alternative communication. And so their speech is either, they're either minimally verbal or unintelligible or, or nonverbal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is an excellent idea because a lot of times mm-hmm. you tell parents to, you know, take pictures and to email it to you or, um, but a lot of times people forget, but to bring in an object is such yeah. a great idea. I love that. And so maybe what I'll do is I'm, um, for anyone listening out there, I'll also put maybe a link in there as well for that experience book because I'm going to use that. And actually, that kind of brings me back to the reason why we have all these these great private groups on Facebook is because we're all sharing ideas together. You know, we're all in a community yeah. together and we're helping each other. And um, an experience book is also a great way to carry over um, right. just some experiences from home into a session and just... I think, I mean, you could even probably do also the same thing, experience book and speech and or in school if you're a teacher and bringing that home to the parent and then kind of giving them a way to elicit conversation about what happened in school. You know, instead of everything being so high tech, sometimes it doesn't always have to be high tech. It could just be an object, which is yeah. great with some scotch tape, which is super low Easy tech, no tech, which I love, you know, I mean, we just... You know, I think sometimes, you know, we forget how great um, a paper and a pencil could be and scotch tape. And I work, I mean, I'm, I'm all about the tech, but I also love ideas that are super easy and could elicit this great conversation. So yeah. that's great. Um, and your book is going to be out 2020? Yeah, so we're uh, about three quarters of the way done in the illustrations. And then I'm going to be looking into uh, the printing process and shipping and uh, 2020 should be done. I'm hoping to uh, release it in in May for Speech and Hearing Month. Great. That's awesome. Well, I can't wait. I'm I'm really excited. I'm definitely going to have that on my website for sure. Um, Thank you. Is there anything else that you want to add before we end? 
I think that's that's great. Uh, if people want to follow me, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Uh, I've got the YouTube channel. So, like I said, very accessible. Um, what you had said about the graduate students really um, resonates with me because I, I just feel like we we do all our magic behind uh, you know in our in our little clinics, and it's so amazing that we have social media now as a way to share. Um, so like all these creative ideas that are generated in our field, we are such a field of artists and scientists and therapists. And um, so I just um, I'm grateful the opportunity I got to talk to you and be here and happy to connect. Well, thank you so much. I wish, you know, when I was a graduate student, I definitely would have watched your videos and, and brought that into the therapy room because I think it's a very, very helpful tool. But not just for parents. Um, I mean, not just for graduate clinicians, for parents, for teachers, for caregivers out there. Um, just excellent. So thank you so much, Tali, for being here today. My pleasure. Thank you yeah. for having me. Thank you. So thank you for listening today. Listen and learn with us at Language During Mealtime.